Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive, personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome to Positive Talk Radio for a Monday. I hope everybody is well. Today, we get to go skipping merrily along all the way to England. And we're going to talk with a young lady who is in London or thereabouts. Uh, at least she sounds like she's from there anyway. And uh, uh, her name is uh, Rachel Sheila Khan. And uh, she is, you know, you look very, very young and attractive for being a founder of anything. Uh, but uh, you're a founder of a, of a group of uh, artisans and, and uh, artists and people and manufacturers that have decided that um, <clears throat> doing the way, doing business the way that we've been doing it for a long, long time isn't sustainable and that you're out to change the world. And with a group called the Eco Ecosystem Incubator, and uh, I love the title. And you've got quite a few uh, collaborators with you, by the way, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Really enjoying um, speaking to you already. All right. Well, that's 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 super. Tell us a little bit. Now you seem like you're 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 very young, and you you got better things to do than worry about things like I don't know the planet and stuff so so what I, i'm the... not that young <laughs> i just look very young um i'm actually 42 and i have two children so uh, that might you, shock you <laughs> you you guys you you take care of your people in england over there <laughs> which That's is really right, awesome yeah. yeah so how did you get started with this what 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 uh, got you going to create a, a to actually turn the fashion industry on its head, basically. Gosh, yeah. I mean, that's a long story, I suppose. Um, I've been in the industry for 23 years uh, as a designer and design manager. So I really saw firsthand uh, what happens in the factories themselves, um, not only ethically to the workers, but also um, saw the finite resources that were being used Um in the creation of stuff that most of all was not really necessary. Um, there was so much, there's so much waste out there just in overproduction itself. Uh, and I could go on for a very long time in terms of sustainability itself and, and the different multi-layers that, that it has. Um, but essentially I saw that kind of real rock bottom from the rock bottom of what was happening and wanted to be a change for that. Um, went along my journey as a designer, design manager, didn't really know what to do because I was very young at that point. Uh, and, you know, I was kind of waiting for the CEOs to, to make a decision, like, let's go towards sustainability because I could see it 15 years ago. Um, and no one really did anything. It's been very slow on the uptake. There's been really great people doing stuff in the space like Stella McCartney, Catherine Hamnett, you know, people who've been forging the, the way forward. Um, but the bigger industry as a whole, and especially as we moved into fast fashion, 
I mean, I was in a factory when it first started in the fast fashion sort of space um, in, in, in the UK. And it just completely moved to all different countries. And our industry was completely left, you know, to, to go and find the cheapest and places to, to produce. Um, you know, and it was just to me, that was like sacrilege because there's so many amazing people who here who'd been, you know, um, their livelihoods gone you know, just because the businesses decided to move and try and, and squeeze that margin. And most of my years in the industry were spent squeezing that margin, trying to do designs that were, you know, the, the cheapest designs that I could do, um, finding the cheapest fabrics that I could find. And to me, um, I got to the point at the end of my the end of my design career where I was just, I could felt sick to design anymore. And I just thought, I can't do this. Um, and I transitioned towards sustainability. Um, actually, when my mum passed away five years ago, because um, I thought, well, this is the time to start doing something in this. Um, and I did. I sat there with my children and I thought, well, um, I can be something in this. So I started to do um, events called Style Yourself Sustainable, which were basically to ask, share with the consumer what they could do right here in this moment without having any money um or you know any any knowledge they could kind of get involved with vintage unico brands they could get they could do swap shops they could sew um and we we did some great great stuff in that in that um area and then um basically started to create my own consultancy based on all of that knowledge that i'd got over these years of learning about sustainability meeting people meeting the brands in that capacity um, and my knowledge of product development and design management and brought that together and created the consultancy. But when I went into the consultancy, I could really see that sustainability was kind of a sticking plaster um, for, for the undertones that needed to be sorted out. And that was kind of how the economic system itself and the systems that we live in um, are not set up for that new way of working. They're only set up for GDP growth and not for uh, some of the other aspects that we need to think about, like people and planet, you know, thinking about how we're going to do that, you know, rather All those than little it, things, thinking about yeah, the planet and, things. <laughs> and, and people, people making a decent living and making a decent wage and not working in the sweatshop and, exactly. and stuff. I mean, who needs to worry about that? It's like it's it's a big it really is a big deal. And I'm I'm glad that that someone is out there trying to make a difference. And because uh, I, I was talking with a gal who is working with and her name escapes me, but she's on one of my podcasts that um, works with sustainable um, um, materials like mm -hmm. hemp and and other materials that that are natural and uh, getting away from polyester and stuff because you know she told me something that i had no idea about that the fashion industry is like the number two oil consumer of all the major industries i yeah. found that to be really amazing yeah because polyester became a huge thing because it was so cheap it is so cheap and it's easy to easy to clean easy to wear but um the unintended consequences of that creation was um, that you're using for fossil fuels, essentially, uh, and that you're also creating other waste like um, microplastics when when the consumer is washing them or even when it's been washed in, in the factories. There's my, microplastics that go out into the oceans uh, and basically are polluting our oceans with 
with um, small, tiny microplastics. And that's just, you know, that's just the, a small bottom line. That's just one fabric. And if you imagine all of the other fabrics that we're overproducing, even cotton, you know, even if you think about natural fibers, they're not always as sustainable as you think they are. You think, okay, I'm going to get a, a cotton or something. That's utilizing so much water, you know, and even organic cotton, depending on where that is in the world and the rainfall that's happened in, in that area, uh, the natural rainfall, you might be irrigating that, uh, you know. And when when I started to look into that, especially and on end lot of things, I realized that we need to look at things far more in a regenerative thought process. So regenerative in the product itself, uh, but also regenerative in the structures and systems that we work in ourselves as well. So you're telling me that, and I didn't, this is, I didn't know this either, is that just by washing your clothes, you're polluting the oceans. Yeah, um, and some instance, in, with polyester, yeah, for sure you are. Or any kind of synthetic fiber that is uh, fossil fuel based, you will be putting microplastics into the ocean. Yeah. That's just amazing. And then, then of course, those end up, <laughs> those probably end up in the in a small fish and yeah. then get eaten by the bigger fish. <laughs> and then it. then it ends up on your dinner plate. <laughs> if if you eat that, yes. <laughs> so. Um I personally choose not to eat um animals or 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 fish. Um not just for that reason, but for, for the other reasons of um sustainability. So well, I, 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 now, so you're, so you're a vegetarian. Are you a vegan I'm, or a vegetarian? I'm vegan, actually. Yeah. And um, that's one of the first steps that I made when I was sitting there with my two children. I thought, well, that's one thing I can do right here, right now. I can choose what I, I, I choose to eat, you know, and that was one of the big, easiest um, CO2 things that you can do for your, for, for yourself as an individual. So, yeah, you, you mentioned one of my uh, favorite families in the entire world, and that's the McCartney family. Uh -huh. and, they, and they are all vegetarian and or vegan, depending. And, yeah. uh, and that was because, <laughs> Paul, did you hear the story of how Paul McCartney decided he was going to be vegetarian? Disney's his wife just wasn't his wife just vegetarian i can't remember now <laughs> they he and linda which is his wife at the time and she's sadly passed away uh they were they had a farm in uh, scotland and they went up the, there and they had uh, sheep and they had lambs and they had uh horses and all of that well they were sitting at the table eating lamb chops as their little lambs were frolicking in the front yard and they said well, I don't think we're going to do this anymore because we're eating their brother. And so they decided to go vegetarian and she wrote some cookbooks and she had a, a vegetarian line of uh, products and, and stuff. And, and I, I think it's, I, you know, there are a lot of meat eaters, but I think that as we go, we need to curtail it to a large degree, if not eliminate it, because we're going to be um, in big trouble. It's, it's going to ruin the planet, I'm afraid. Yeah. I think, you know, don't have to go mad with it. I think if everyone reduced consumption, that's awesome. If with everything, everything in moderation, even fashion, like if we just like just had enough, that's all we need. We don't need to like over consume and, and over consume things uh, in the fashion space, especially that are of lower quality that won't last that long. So longevity is such an important part of that. But um, yeah, going back to this. Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. <laughs> oh, when did they get away from quality products lasting a long time 
and going to cheaper products that don't last as long but are cheaper to buy is that be, is that because they thought the consumer would buy more cheaply and so therefore they could buy more yeah. what was their thought process it was an economic thought process it was definitely planned obsolescence uh, which is in many products not just fashion so that it's planned in that the, the things will run out and also that the, this, the fashion wheel would say, right, the next thing is in, in trend now. So you have to go and buy that because that one does that one's no good anymore. Right. <laughs> so it was a constant economic um, thought process to that GDP growth for sure. So it wasn't about um, trying to give everyone something that they could afford because that it, it's false economy. Right. Because if you buy something that's a fiver and it lasts for five wares, then, you know, that's not going to work for you. You'll go in the future. You're going to have to go and buy loads and loads of that same same product rather than one that will last for five years or 10 years, you know. Oh, you're opening my eyes to a whole, because I'm thinking about it going, well, heck, that's why fashion magazines are there. That's why they have different changes in, in fashion desirability based upon mm -hmm. seasons, because that way they can get you to turn over your wardrobe so that you can be fashionable and stuff rather than uh, looking at it for the long term. Um, so that, that, that really is a marketing gimmick then. Yeah, completely. It's, it's a money spinner. It's to, to keep you in the game, keep you constantly going, looking for the next thing. And there's nothing wrong, but it's just that actually that's not responsible you know, in, in, on their part. It's, and I'm not saying this is a consumer problem at all. Um, it's it's um, a responsibility of brands and people to to really um, make sure that they're not overproducing. Um, the the other issue is that that there is just loads of overproduction, so people only might buy a certain amount of it. Um, we'd say in the industry that maybe like there was there's ten percent of the products that might had an eighty percent sell through. Of course, then there was loads of other products that were created that maybe had 20, 30, 40, 50% sell through. And then because you're not selling them on or you're not doing anything with them, there's so, so much waste just going to incineration or going to landfill, just of things that aren't even worn, you know, because they want to protect their brand identity, right? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that there are companies that if they don't sell something that's right still in the package and rather than give it to like, I don't know, maybe like homeless people that could um, utilize it and mm -hmm. that kind of thing, they, they either burn it or put it in a landfill. Yeah. Because that's the cheapest thing to do. All right. Sometimes they write it off to charity because you'll get a tax uh, incentive on that, which is probably better, but it's only incrementally probably. <laughs> But that's the stuff that's not sustain not sustainable. You know, that's the that's the fast fashion stuff. That's the even high end brands have done it. You know, in the past as well, and still do. Right. So it's um, it's keeping the brand identity and making sure that for some brands, especially, that it's not going on to to cheapen the brand itself. So. So I see that while you were a designer, that I could see that why you were thinking of all of these problems that it was that was going on with the industry but it's a it's a excuse the expression it's a big damn industry how mm -hmm. and and you decided that you were going to uh take steps to try and work through it 
that was a really gutsy thing for you to do. What gave you the intestinal fortitude to be able to do all that? Hmm. Well, I really went on a a different journey. When when I moved into looking at sustainability, as I said, I really saw it as a sticking plaster. So then I'm I kind of started questioning things like capitalism and things and and questioning, you know, it should should we even be thinking in this way? Um and eventually I found regenerative um thought processes which are looking at things more holistically and how we can live together in different ways and that uh, starts originally from things like permaculture and the permaculture movement that's all around the world but um, specifically I was really inspired by Rob Hopkins and his movement in Totnes which is about transitioning towns to work um, much more organically and in tune with their locality um, and um, to not ship things in from all over the world and, and to work with their, their area and what they have. And then I found um, a thing called Regenerative Leadership, which is a book by Laura Storm and Giles, Giles Hopkins. Giles, Giles Hutchins, sorry, mixing the words. <laughs> You're good. You're good. And they, um, they, their book really inspired me. Uh, and actually, the journey that I did with with Laura was amazing, and they really inspired me to to think in different ways. And do we have to have systems that um, that have been sort of uh, created for this GDP growth going forward? You know, which has been created for industry, which was for the industrial revolution or for the agricultural revolution, which now is that actually really working for us anymore? Um, so I tried on how we could utilize their thought processes around um, new economics and new ways of structuring things. So instead of instead of kind of doing that normal hierarchical structure on a business, which we're used to, right? We're used to a big CEO at the top going, I'm just going to take all of the, the profits. I'm going to sit on my yacht. Whew, brilliant. <laughs> but yep. is that really relevant for everyone? You know, why, why can't everyone thrive? So we're moving away from that hierarchical structure and we're moving into a structure with it, which is far more organic and almost like a forest, you know, so that everyone in that forest, if we're looking at this as a metaphor of a forest, everyone in that forest would thrive. And everyone in the forest has a, a purpose and, and a need and, and something and they're all nurtured, you know. So the ecosystem was born with that sort of thought process around me not being like the CEO sitting on a yacht, me being a CEO, for want of a better word, who is much more of a facilitator. I facilitate those joint ventures, those um, collaborations uh, between all of the, the small self-organizing teams that, um, that work together um, to create their new futures. And that is in infinite ways, which is, is so mad. So we, I could talk about all of the ways that they could do collaborations for all, all night long, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because in this country, we have got, um, it's a capitalistic country mm -hmm. uh, to, to be sure. And the problem with that is, is that we do have people like, uh, I don't know, the CEO of Walmart. I'll just pick one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's somebody that you should be familiar with because they're a big purchaser of clothes. But he makes like 42,000 times the salary of his normal uh, up and down the line worker. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he his compensation is in the millions, not counting stock options and this, that and the other thing. And uh, he's got people that 
have to get public assistance for health care. Yeah. Or at least they've had to do that in the past. Uh, it's they're raising above that lower line now, but but that's really isn't sustain, sustainable long term for for any country anymore. No. Do you do you think what's the better way? Yeah, I think this way is better. Like to be very fair, you can create whatever systems you want. I'm not saying we have to become communists. I'm not saying we have to move from capitalism and become communists. It's not like there's two things. Uh, with the regenerative system and thought process and a living system thought process, you can create any kind of system that you want. You know, so and this can be done not only in an industry space like mine, it can be done on a government level, it can be done on a community level like Rob Hopkins is doing. It can be done in a town it can it can be done anyway it could be done in a, a bigger entity like something like the um i don't know the british fashion council or something like that you can create these living systems anywhere and in any infinite way that you want to create them it doesn't have to be let's just do capitalism and only chase growth now of course there's a there's a kind of sliding scale towards that. It's not like we're going to flick a switch and we're going to move from capitalism to this kind of thing. It's a it's a journey for a lot of people. And it's a journey for a lot of businesses because, and whenever I've tried to put this onto larger companies, they're like, wow, I, I don't even know where to start, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're bigger, the bigger companies are, are not quite as agile, which is why I started doing the ecosystem incubator with small agile businesses, because they they can make the decisions themselves. They don't have to wait for some big cat person to do the decisions and to reorganize their whole structures. We can organize our structures how we want to. So that's kind of how I started with it, really. That's cool. And we're going to talk about the uh, um, the system here in just a second. But I just wanted to tell, let you know that the folks that are listening that are in the United States uh, sure. that, are, that are saying, you know, we're a capitalist country and we're, we can have freedom and we can do this and that. And the other. I would like sure. to remind you that you if you're older, you have Social Security. That is not a capitalist idea. That is a socialist idea because we want we don't want old people to be starving in the streets. We also give them medical care um, with Medicare and and we do a bunch of other stuff. We build roads and we will do that for the common good. And that would not necessarily be a capitalist idea if we, if we were just running on companies. And so so when we think about that, and we think about, I think that you're right. We need to blend and get away from a, 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 a capitalist idea and blend what works better for everybody. Because there are lots of folks that are very unhappy because their, their uh, jobs have dried up and, and because the, the, of it's cheaper to, to build them elsewhere and mm -hmm. lots of different things like that. And we need to blend what we're doing so that all of our people can be happier and not be starving as well. Completely. I totally agree. And um, when I read, when I talk to this about my student, to, to my students about this, cause I lecture on sustainability and ethics in business at university. Um, I, I'd have them try on um, playing a new game of musical chairs in the old game of musical chairs in the old economic system. If someone's chair is taken away, that person loses, loses outright. It loses out their their healthcare their their job their you know their their pride in some respects right yep and absolutely. have them try on a new game of musical chairs 
which is far more about collaboration. What if there were chairs that housed um, 20, 30 people in one space, like high-rise chairs that, that were, were there ready for everyone to thrive within that one space? Wouldn't there be a lot more collaboration? Wouldn't there be a lot more communication? Um, and, you know, hand, hands together to actually start to, to work towards something that works for everyone and not just for the, the few that are um, ruthless or, or, you know, quite happy to elbow people out of the way. One of my students actually said when we did this before COVID, we, we actually did it in reality and did the game of musical chairs. And he said, can I elbow people out of the way? I'm like, okay, this is this shows how that competition shows up from the old system, right? <laughs> it it shows up in that kind of thing. Even though he didn't really want to hurt any of his other counterparts, that that thought process towards it was very apparent, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I will tell you, I'm a firm upon or a firm believer in um and bear with me for a second, um, but I'm a firm believer in that that not only is having everybody work together collaboratively and for the good of all is the human thing to do mm. where we're trying to help each other, but it also is a way for people to feel more fulfilled, to raise their productivity, their mm. their uh, turnover goes down, uh, the training has costs go down and and people are more satisfied in their job if they feel they're part of the team rather than making twelve dollars an hour or twenty dollars or whatever it is uh just being and not having a say not being part of the whole um i i just think it's just a better way to go it's a better okay. people people like to people don't leave necessarily because they're not getting paid they believe they leave a job because they're not satisfied um with with the corporate environment if you will yeah they don't feel related to and a lot of this um the thought processes went through for the ecosystem was to relate to people um i'm not saying that i designed it all myself um i actually co-created it with many other professionals and people that came into the space or students even you know and and asked them what they wanted out of a, an ecosystem what they would want to see out of it right you know so it's not like just a ceo going i'm doing this and this is going to be i can facilitate that but um it's them who co-creates it well for some of them that was that was a quite unusual thing for you to actually ask because it's like yeah. hell nobody's asked me that before uh, that what, what do i think I've always been told this is the way it's going to be. And then there's a memo on the wall and that's what happens. Um, but I, I, you're going to allow me the ability to collaborate and, and to grow within my department, within my place and to, and to grow in, and be a positive influence. I think, yeah. I think it's wonderful what you're doing. It breeds like in innovation also because people feel heard um, and they feel more inclined to, to be able to put, their ideas to a smaller team which might actually come to fruition than have it go up the system and not be listened to you know so usually you'll go to your department manager or your whatever uh, you know and eventually it'll get to the ceo and he might they might say yes or no you know two years down the line you know this can be creation in in action it can and can be really agile and really quick so there's um, there are lots of companies that in the in the uh, employee lunchroom They've got this thing called a suggestion box. And so <laughs> yeah. what you do is you write down what your suggestion is, 
I would love to see the company do this. You put it in the suggestion box, and then uh, once every six months, they come by and empty it and throw it away, and they don't actually look at it. It's uh, purely and simply to, so the employees feel like maybe they're going to be heard, but they never are. They never are. It's, it's it's too bad that, that that but I'm glad to see that you are working to kind of change that. So how are you going to do it? How how are you going to get all this done? Oh, I'm almost started. Um, you know, I just I just uh, share pe with people the ecosystem. Um, I share with them the the ethos of it, what we're going to do, the benefits of it for them and for others and for the world, um, and then have them try it on. So. Um, you know, um, working collaboratively is a different mindset. It's it's coming out of this mindset of being not heard or um, feeling like you you can't get anywhere or, or or even feeling like you should be separate. Uh, and and indeed, everyone should have individuality. But um, yeah, I've been working together with all of the brands uh, and the people coming into the space from far loads of different places so um we have a collaborative in india who are working with natural regenerative soil to soil um hand woven um stuff which then they want to put out into the world and actually start to think about how they can make that uh, more accessible you know to to other designers to other brands um and of course brands that are coming into the space from um utilizing waste um so, so we have a brand called bello bags who use um, seat belts and, and they work out of Brazil and make things out of waste, which would just be put into the landfill from cars. So different industries can come together. Um, and we have, you know, so many different people coming together. It's like, I could go on for a while. Like they're, they're, what the, the main thing is that they're coming together to forward their businesses uh, and to, to, to reduce this overconsumption, overproduction in terms of we work together on, um, minimum order quantities, which is a huge problem in our industry because the industry is set up for big guys. It's set up for big guys to go, I want to create 16,000 pieces of this thing. And of course, they have the buying power and that's why you can get a, a lower price and whatever. But when the small guys go out there, they're like, oh, I can only just about commit to 1,500 meters. And that's still a lot. That's still overproducing for them, you know. So they could collaborate on uh, with five or six brands uh, and chop that that fabric up and utilize it in a far more agile way. And that's what they're doing. So um, I have them start to work together um, and we start to form pods of different um, collaborations that then start to, to actually um, in action work together on whatever it is they need to do. So that might be the minimum order quantities, that might be co-marketing, that might be co-circulation. So when we talk about circularity, we're talking about putting it back into the system. We have a wonderful guy up north in in um, in Sheffield who's been creating with circular knitwear. And this has actually been an industry that's over 200 years old and no one knew about it because it was so clandestine. He's the only guy who knows how to do it up there now and he's in his 70s. He's amazing. They're called Inuanu. And it's I'm just so proud of all of these cool people that are coming together in collaboration. You know, it's, it's, it strikes me that if I was a small a business person that I was in the clothing industry or had a clothing store and or a couple of them and I wanted to be able to compete with the big guy 
yeah. that that has has like a Nordstrom or or somebody like that. The only way to do it is to collaborate with other small businesses to form the buying power that the big guy already has, and uh, that that just makes altogether way too much sense. Um, right, and we have in boutiques come to us, boutiques who have been struggling over over COVID, and and what they need is newness. So so um, the brands can come together and create a sustainable showcase that could move around all of these different um, boutique brands and and be able to sell their sell their wares in this traveling showcase. So that's a, that's one thing that's come up. Like every time I have a meeting, new ideas, new innovations come up. Oh, we could like create this, or we could collaborate on this thing which i never even thought about before we could create a teams of people that solve um some of the r d problems that could take longer you know if if you're waiting for a bigger company to do it you know so we don't have you to wait be, for Stella to do it <laughs> you must be really proud that that uh this is coming to fruition it's, it really is starting to have a uh, an impact in the world isn't it well, it's 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 starting to have an impact. It's starting to create ripples for people. So I always say, um, it's not just about one person. It's about what the ripples we create. So for me, I'm not in this for uh, two or three, four, five years. I'm I'm creating this with um, what we call cathedral thinking, where we're thinking twenty. 30 40 50 years in the future even when i'm past and gone this can stick the ripples that we could create right now can create so much for for the future generations and that's that's what i stand for and that's why i started doing what i'm doing was sitting there looking at my boys saying to myself i, I don't stand for a world I, I stand for a world where they are free and you know, they, they can go about their day and they're not going to, you know, inhale toxins and they're not going to, you know, um, they're going to have a life and, and their, their their children are also going to have a life. Uh, and I, I do feel that this new economic system, this new way of being with things with collaboration is that that way forward towards everyone having that life. So I think I think that's awesome. How old are your boys? They are six and nine. Oh, it's a beautiful age. I love that age. Um, then, then they grow up and be teenagers, but that, we'll wait on that. That's a whole different discussion. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be lovely. <laughs> oh, eventually they will be, yes. Yeah. But there's going to be a couple of moments when they're going, they're going to lose their mind. <laughs> a relative of mine said that when his son turned 13, he rolled over while he was sleeping and his brains fell out of his head uh, because oh. that that happens for a little while but then they they get it and, and stuff so um but i i your point is well made that we we can't look we can't look to the future without looking at the kids and what we're leaving them we're leaving behind for them is a horrible horrible mess and yeah. we need to do what we can do to clean it up so that they can live in relative peace and harmony which is something well, that we haven't yeah. been able to achieve. And they can continue the work, you know, because this yeah. is this is not something that we flick a switch and a, a silver bullet and this happens. This is this is a way of life. This is how how we live going forward is in collaboration. Yeah, and and in 
in harmony with the world and, and in the regenerative we have this this quote called um life creates conditions conducive to life so there's this constant infinite cycle which in nature is apparent right we have the falling of the leaves and they are natural to the the ground and they create nutrients for the ground and new shoots can come from that and, and that can be applied to product it can be applied to um a way of being about how you're building your business you know because sometimes it can be a big journey for people and and you know um and, and and again how how you're creating structures is really important making sure that that um that that life or that newness is always um considered and brought and, and brought to the forefront rather than killing off ideas and uh, with because they're not economically sound or they're, they're not viable you know why are they not viable if they're viable for a future uh, ecology or a future of a society why are they not viable because because we only measure profit you know it's it's just weird to me it's always has been <laughs> oh exactly i was reading on your website i love the i love the um example of of, of uh, take a look at a forest a forest is not an individual tree um a forest depends upon each individual tree making their contribution to the whole um and therefore because of the cycles that a tree goes through uh they can create new trees and they can grow the forest and they can and and they feed each other and and it acts like one living organism which is really what we should we could be doing if we chose to rather than looking at the the boardroom of the of the guys at the top and and the and the uh, stockholders and because that's that's a lot of it is that the the ceos feel like they can't make these decisions uh because of the stockholder and if they're if they're not making as much money the stockholders are not going to be as pleased they might sell their stock uh there's not going to so it's it's we really need to think in a different way than we than we ever have before because it's becoming clear that we can't continue doing what we've been doing because it's not working completely and it's not just about that one ecosystem it's about how ecosystems interact right so you might have an ecosystem in fashion per se just for want of a better word fashion the fashion ecosystem but you might have also an ecosystem in i don't know interiors or um construction that might be able to either use our waste from our industry and so we feed it into theirs um or you know it'll be able to um you know share some of the same commodities sort of in in, in terms of the interiors um industry as well um but um going back to the point of looking at the forest it's also being able to zoom right out and see the whole system so we can we can focus right back in say if we're making this scarf right we can focus right into what the nitty-gritty of that scarf is what in unintended consequences is it's creating uh, what fabric it is where it's been moved around the world but what we do need to do is is look zoom right out or as if you were eagle and and see the whole of the world and how how everything into intermingles together you know and and that's not just um that's not just in that one industry, but as, as a whole, 
and also in the localities. So each locality, where is that coming from? How is that being circulated? Is that regenerative? You know, it's we 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 actually need to start looking at where we where we are creating stuff, and and that is a future thing. That's something that I see is a cathedral thinking thing for the ecosystem. It's not something I can wave my magic magic wand and it and appears now. That's something that we can build in over time is to work in different localities um, and make sure that we have that regenerative thought process on everything. I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's been going on in our country, in this country, but have you seen, have you seen the, uh, the ships in the harbors and uh, waiting to come in because they can't get into port? Uh, and oh, so there's, I can't, sitting... we've had similar sort of things. Uh, yes. It, with our lorry system here, I think. Yes. <laughs> Have you? And and uh, where people can't, uh, they can't unload the things fast enough because everything is driving on the um, consumer buying things, mm-hmm. and and our our system would collapse if the consumer decided, you know, I think I've had enough. I don't mm-hmm. need to go out and buy new clothes every 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 season because um, I can't. I certainly can't. I can't wear white after a certain date or I can't do, you know, and, and that sort of thing, which is all stuff that's been told to us um, right. and things. And you don't need to, you don't need to subscribe to that. Or, you know, one of the, a minimalist theory that's going on here now is that if you haven't used it in a year, you don't need it. So yes. give it to somebody who can use it. Yeah. And keeping we, it in circulation. Best thing. Yeah. You know? And then, that way you don't have to then that person doesn't have to go out and buy it while you have one sitting in your garage on a shelf that you're not using totally the sharing economy as that's what's that called is um it's going to be a really big thing and we've started seeing it here in the uk quite a lot where um companies are setting up um more hiring clothes so if you're going to a special event you hire something you don't have to buy something you can borrow it send it use it and send it back you know that's pretty cool yeah and there's loads of things like that um that that we might have um a library of things in our and there's a few actually here in the uk um called library of things where you don't always need a lawnmower right your lawnmower is generally sitting in your sitting in your garage waiting for you to decide you want to mow the lawn but that's maybe a monthly occurrence a two monthly occurrence whatever it's definitely not a year-round thing for us here anyway so why not have a library of things in your locality that you could go and borrow when you need it and take it back it means that not everyone in the whole of you know say my 10 block of flats has to have uh, each have an individual lawnmower they could share one right (laughs) why not so Absolutely. And, and it would make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I love the attitude. I love what you're talking about. How um, and the young or the, the smaller companies that are easily and more mobile are, are taking advantage of it mm-hmm. and are, are coming to it. How are you going to get how do you think a, uh, a conglomerate or a, a, a big guy? How are you going to convince a big guy to come along? Well, <laughs> that's a mindset shift. So, um and it can be done on larger companies and it is being done on large companies. Um, Patagonia, for instance, are utilizing a, a regenerative structure that I know of. Um, and it has actually been done um, in a, a care company over in the Netherlands, which have um, utilized um, 
uh, regenerative, what, what, what was it? Reinventing Organizations. So there's a book called Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Laloux. And he's actually designed a structure um, creating these self-organizing teams, which is essentially what I've uh, utilized in the ecosystem. Um, and they put it on a care company out in, um, in the Netherlands, as I said. So instead of um, there being a big bulk of loads of care assistants who basically just went to the top all of the time, they created them by locality in small self-organizing teams. And it's been proved that actually they were far more um, agile. They actually uh, created more abundance for the company itself. Um, and they were far more in innovative with their ideas. And it'd be just because they didn't have to wait for the top person to say, do this, do, do, do that. They actually did what was correct in their locality and to each of the people that they were caring for. So this regenerative structure can be put onto larger companies. It just uh, needs for the CEOs to become, instead of um, thinking about things in a hierarchical state, to think about things uh, as if you're much more of a facilitator of change <laughs> and that's a biggie, right? It's a big, big thing to try on. <laughs> so, um, but yep. it, it, it's being done, you know, it is being done. And um, I know Laura Storm is working with a lot of people on, on that level of business. So um, do look her up. I really think that long-term businesses are going to determine that that is actually a more progressive and a more productive and a more profit driven mode or system because mm -hmm. there's a lot of money that's wasted along the way in, yeah. in, in the current corporation. And uh, um, if they could clean that up and have people actually, you know, like care that work there, um, mm -hmm. then the, their, their product productivity would go through the roof and everything would be a lot better for everybody. And that's, that's what you're trying to achieve, isn't it? Uh, yeah. To make it better for everybody, so that nobody's yeah. left behind. Exactly, and it's um, it's funny you should say stuff like um, finding that way with it, um, because when we were when we were discussing doing this, it was it was hard to find that balance and, and bring that into this. You know, it's hard to find uh, the the benefits because everyone has been so used to working in a in a, in a hierarchical sense. So, so when we, we started to work in this way, it was like, okay, what are the benefits? So I have to bridge that and kind of bridge that future from what everyone's used to, to the possibilities uh, of, of what can be created. Um, oops. So, um, yes, we're just pressing something. You all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and from my, from my point of view, from my perspective, I, I was in the restaurant business for a long time and I had a unique position in that I ran my restaurant differently than other people mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. I was a general manager. I had 70 people working for me. I had uh, four management people and I, you know, I wrote the schedules and they all had to do what I said and I could do anything that I wanted. But what I did instead was I took it to the lowest common denominator and I said, I want my bus boys to make a lot of money. Now, those are the people and the dishwashers. Those are the nice. people that are the youngest. They are the least skilled, and they're the ones that uh, generally make the least amount of money. And I said, I want them to make more money, okay? Now, in order for them to make more money, 
my waiters and waitresses have to make more money so that they can tip better. Now, in order for them to make more money, I have to have better cooks who can cook the food faster and, and, and quality to get that done so that they can get paid more money. And I and the servers and the and everybody has to offer our guests better service so that they'll come back. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is business goes up. The waiters make more money. The cooks make more money. And lo and behold, so do the busboys and the dishwashers. Exactly. Because they, because they could. Go ahead. Those people on the ground also really know what the problems are. So yep. they're able to innovate together much more effectively than anyone at the top is, right? So that's right. what I'm excited about. They know all the problems. And they probably know how to fix it, but just don't have the voice. They don't have the voice. And in, in, in a lot of, I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the number of times I've heard people say, you know, I work for this company. I know the problem that exists. I know how to fix it. No one will listen to me. Or the other one was, I'm, I don't care enough. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah, bother absolutely. trying to tell them the truth because or what's going on and how you can fix it because they don't listen anyway. And, you know, like screw them. And when, as soon as I can get out of here, I'm going to go get another job anyway, rather than utilizing those people that are doing the actual work. Absolutely. And, and I think that sometimes we think that more managers will, will create this, this stuff, but actually if you empower, um, I don't really like the word empower cause it seems funny, but you know, if you, um, nurture the the people in a different way uh, to actually want to do it and actually feel like they're being heard to do it, then I think that, um, and then we have seen with some of the businesses, that it it will lift lift them up. That's exactly what you said in your example. It's perfect. And it it works. Oh, and the other thing that happened was my turnover went down. So I didn't lose good people because they were making good money where they were at. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't have to turn over people to find new people. And then what happened was people started coming in to fill out applications because they heard this was a good place to work. Brilliant. You created abundance. And, 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 but the thing was, um, we were also one of the more profitable restaurants of that chain Mm -hmm. because Everybody was working together. We didn't have the waste. We didn't have the I don't care isms going mm-hmm. on. And so the business became more profitable. So everybody won. It wasn't a matter of I'm going to make this happen for this guy and it's going to cost this guy. Everybody got to win. And that's what you're trying to do. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And everyone gets to win what they want. You know, some people, Some people just want to put food on their table for their kids, you know, and that's all good. You know, I just want to have enough, you know, to, to live in the way that I've been living, you know, on a mid middle management sort of salary. That's all I want, you know, and it's not much to ask. <laughs> but I want, you know, I want to be able to do something that's in, on purpose, for purpose, you know, and, and not just about just turning up to a place that, that doesn't serve me anymore, or that doesn't uh, have heart. And I do think, um, for me especially, um, it is about creating business with that heart, exactly what you were talking about with, with what you were doing in your catering thing. Brilliant. It is, it is vital that everybody feel a part of the whole mm-hmm. and, and, and you can't, you can't do it with management personnel. Uh, you do it from the bottom up. I, I'm a firm believer that you do it from the least among us. 
think there's a book in there that says that somewhere. Uh, the, 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 from the least among us is, is where we need to start uh, because if we lift them up, we lift everyone up. Yeah, and, so it's about them lifting themselves up. You know, like we're creating some ideas with bottom-up mentality. Why do we have to have brands? Why couldn't the factories become a brand? There's no reason why if they have access to building with consultants like myself, designers, um, you know, product developers, they could build probably a better pro product than a lot of the brands do because they have that on the ground knowledge of how to make it like really intimately, you know, so they could they could create really cool stuff with the, the right team or pod, as I like to call them, you know. I, I I love I love your concept and, and uh, I wish you a lot of luck. By the way, we're we're talking with Rachel Sheila Khan, and she is the founder. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of the Ecosystem Incubator, and it is a system by which you can. Um, it, it's it's literally going to change the world, and I think it has to because we we can't continue to be doing what we are doing because the, there is an end of the road. And I don't know about you, but I can see the end of the road and it's going to be in my children's or their children's lifetime if we don't take care of it and fix it. Do you agree Absolutely. with that? I do agree with that. Yes, I think. Um, yes. And that's why we're building the cathedral. Uh, we, we're drafting it out just like Gaudi did in his uh, cathedral in Barcelona. Um, he never saw it come to fruition, but he still did the drawing anyway. Oh, perfect. And, and, you know, over time, what necessity becomes an important thing. And when, when, uh, um, they realize that they've got to change when they realize that there, there's no cheap labor left, uh, that nobody wants to do that anymore and stuff like that, it, it will change, but it takes a lot of time and you're just, you're just facilitating that for them. And I think giving them an alternative, because I really think, honestly, your alternative is the way to go. Thank you. And um, we can actually create, and we are looking at different industries as well. Um, I started in the fashion one just because that's my niche, that's my knowledge. Um, but other people from other industries are going, that would be good for my industry. So I'm having conversations with them for them to start creating their own ecosystem, you know, that, um, and to help facilitate that. And then the ecosystems can talk together and, and share nutrients as well. So um, oh, I'm really looking forward to that kind of um, evolution, even though this is, I mean, very young for me too. So I've only been working on this for about a year and only inviting um, people to fully join the last two months. So um, really, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you must be ecstatic with the, with the growth that you're experiencing. Uh, with abundance, yes, definitely. Just just even in abundance of uh, creation and innovation and thought processes and and all of the things that people are collaborate collaborating on, just in terms of how we do things and and what they want out of the system and and what could be possible. Like I said, anyone that comes to have a conversation with me sees a different way of working or a different avenue to, to build with. So it's just, it's so exciting and creative to be in that space. And, and, and that's what, that's why I love being creative and, and having people try it on. <laughs> that's really cool. Now, when they try it on, do they ever take it off? 
some people do yeah because it's too big for some people and that's all good you know that's that's their journey i'm here to nurture it whether they do or they don't so oh you're 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 awesome you you know that right Thank you. <laughs> I've been told I'm awesome. Yes. <laughs> we Brit we Brits are not very good at saying we're awesome. <laughs> but thank you. I am awesome. <laughs> that's that's right. Take it, live it, own it. You've earned it because you're doing some extraordinary things and you're by you're far from being done. Uh by the oh, way. Gosh, no. I'm not done. Never. <laughs> by the way, the forties are not are, are the old twenties. So consider yourself like 22, 23, and you're, and you're fine. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I will. I'll just say, now I'm 22. Yay. That's right. You, you've, got, you've got 50, 60 years to contribute. And before yeah. you're done, you're, you're going to have a remarkable, a remarkable resume to show. Thank you. Love so it. We've, we've been talking with Rachel Sheila. <laughs> I can't read. I can't read. Help me. I can't read. Uh, Rachel uh, uh, Sheila Khan, and she is the founder of the Ecosystem Incubator. And uh, go to incu uh, the ecosystemincubator.com, right? Yeah. No, wait a minute. Is, is, that, is that the right? Uh, um, that what, the right what is the email? The ecosystem it's the ecosystemincubator.com. Yes. And absolutely if somebody wants to contact you by email, how do they do it? Ooh, that would be my consultancy email, actually, which is rachel at circular-earth.co.uk. Oh, very good. That's my we'll consultancy, put, Circular Earth. <laughs> so. When we put this up, we'll we'll uh, put your, your information with it so that uh -huh. people can find you because people need to, to uh, go and pick your brain and and they can take, because this is a system that you can take into any company Absolutely. and take it into any, any small operation and collaborate with other small operators to do some incredible work and, uh, and to help, help your employees, help mankind and uh, get rid of some waste and, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's just phenomenal what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. Is there anybody else doing this type of thing that you can think of? Is Are you like out there, out there, or, or is this like a trend that is coming? Um, there's no one that's doing exactly what I'm doing that I know of. Um, there are some people who are creating different ecosystems or different ideas. Um, I don't know of them yet, um, but I'm sure my friend Jose will introduce me to them. So, um and there is a lot of people in the regenerative space, but it's very holistic. Um, and what I'm doing is doing something more in action. Um, so balancing that kind of holistic thought process, but also with the reality that we're living in uh, and trying to transition between those two. Um, and not that we have to be all woo-woo all the time you know, at all, <laughs> that uh, we can still talk about the living systems and the thought processes around building with that but we can balance it with the reality that we actually have, which is, you know, which is where you speak to people on their level, you know, because everyone's dealing with stuff. Everyone's dealing with, especially after COVID, quite a lot of stuff, you know, that, that they've got to go through, like living and 
putting food on their table and, and you know losing their jobs and and all of that kind of stuff so a lot of people that are building businesses have built it from that kind of space it's like well what, what else am I going to do okay now it's time to build my business which is great but um you know we have to provide that nurture for them too you know we are finding that uh, um covid like everything like you were you were talking about that businesses and decisions they make sometimes have unintended consequences mm -hmm. uh, the unintended consequences of covid is we're learning how to communicate at a different level look at look yeah. at this i'm in seattle washington and i'm having a beautiful conversation with uh, rachel who is in london uh, and it's real time and it's happening and it can be it's it, it was set up easily and done I, you know, there are people working out of their homes that it used to, that people didn't used to be able to do that. They're doing it. So everything is changing. And now is a great time to initiate the change that's going to have to take place um, because we can all see it um, between global warming and the, uh, the pandemic and all that stuff. So uh, I'll get off my soapbox and won't talk about that anymore. But if you want to go find out more about what Rachel's doing, go to the ecosystemincubator.com and find out all about what she's doing. She's got a bunch of collaborators there and it's, it's going to, it's a great thing. I would like to thank you for coming on to the program and when can, will you come on again? Yeah. Come on again. No problem. No <laughs> Good. Well, I want to follow uh, the progress that you're making as, as you go down the road uh and stuff and and because i i sense there's big things brewing i Thank think it's gonna be a really big deal and i'd love to acknowledge asha uh, for inviting sort of collaborating and, and sending me me to you somehow <laughs> he was a oh see one. well you know what's interesting is that uh, i think um alicia i think that i can't remember her name exactly but she sent asher to me who ah. then sent, so it is a collaborative thing of of people getting together for for the good of all, and uh, that's that's what I'm doing this for is to bring people like you to people that wouldn't get a chance to hear you. So that's why we're doing this. So I, I love that. It. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. So it's all no, it's, at the at the end of the day, it's all a village. We're all. We're, it is. All, yes. We're That's all what one. someone said today. They they said uh, on on the co marketing meeting that we were doing, they said it's almost like you've created a village and and you've just asked everyone of their different skills to come together and create this village. And you said it's beautiful. I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> it's it's dynamic, and not only is it beautiful, but it's not it's not airy fairy and it's not out there. It actually will can 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 make you much more productive. Everybody can make a living, um, and they don't have to. They don't have to have sweatshops. They don't have to lose their job for for somebody to to work in a sweatshop or whatever. So I, I think what you're doing is great. Thank you. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, if you'll stay right there. Uh, by the way, I forgot to do this. I'm. Um, I like to offer my guests an opportunity mm -hmm. to tell the world, all the people that are listening now and in the future. Anything that you would like them to know? Ooh, wow. Gosh. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say um, comparison is rare, rarely useful. 
Ooh, I gotta write that down. That's good. It's one thing. It's one thing I use weekly, <laughs> uh, especially with other people as well, because it's like they're constantly comparing themselves. And the phrase that was said to me from a very wise person was, "Comparison is rarely useful," and and it served me very well in in um, not not looking too much into things and kind of really going on the journey that I need to go on um, and not kind of having to constantly go oh no I'm not as good as this person or that person and, and, and all of that kind of thing so yes I would say that it's that at the end at the end of the day it doesn't matter you are who you are and just continue doing what you're doing and you're going to be you're going to be very successful doing this and then you're going to help a lot of people which is yeah. why you're here on positive talk radio you're exactly so, <laughs> thank you thank Rachel you so yeah, so stay right there, though. I've got to do this, and I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other is all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.